this week's episode, Why Brandon is Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with that. Uh, it's a multi-part. It's a multi-parter. Hello, and welcome back to Tangent Space. I'm Brandon Anderson. And I'm John K. Hyas. Continuing from last week, uh, we had a discussion over the 2012 movie Prometheus in anticipation of the just-out Alien Covenant. We had uh, some fairly different opinions about that previous movie. Uh, I thought it had some holes, but really I think the, the art of it was to leave it open-ended. It raised a, a lot of questions that gave me a lot to think about and sparked some very interesting discussion. So I, I, I kind of forgive it for maybe not being the, the most consistent or character-driven of movies. John, can you remind us what you thought about it? I rather hated the movie and thought it was a, a bit all over the place with creationism and belief and just not very good, filled with plenty of plot holes and, and not enjoyable to me. It angered me as a person, deeply. <laughs> right. Some philosophical issues with the movie. So we left off wondering if it would just be the head of Fassbender giving a two-hour monologue for Alien Covenant. And since then, we've seen the movie. And we can say that's not true. And in fact, you get two Fassbenders. And I guess we should say at this point that if you haven't seen Alien Covenant and plan to we'll obviously be discussing the plot in detail. So there will be spoilers for everything. Uh, the movie starts this time back in the past, before Prometheus took place, when David is activated, the android, uh, by Wayland, the, the head of this big company that funds everything. Uh, and they're in this room, David and his creator, and they have some conversation about you know what it means to be human and synthetic, and David chooses his name, uh, based on a, you know, the Michelangelo sculpture, he plays some piano, and his creator Wayland is kind of just a an ass to him, and makes him pour the tea. And you you see the seeds anyway of what's to come uh, with David's discontent. Anyway, cut from that into space, far in the future after Prometheus has taken place, and we have a colony ship that is sailing towards some Origai six planet or something that has a minimal crew and a couple thousand embryos to start up a colony. Uh, and the action starts when this ship is hit by a neutrino blast, which miraculously, 2012-style, damages the ship a whole bunch. Uh, must be mutant neutrinos. And wakes everybody up out of stasis to fix this, so everyone gets up. There's another android who looks quite a bit like David, uh, but is just another model named uh, Walter. And they get to work fixing everything. When one of the crew is in a spacesuit far out from the ship, he picks up a signal from a, a neighboring planet that's not too far out of their way. So they decide to go on a detour to this planet and check it out and maybe set up their colony there. Because, uh, you know, why not throw out all the planning that they had? Anyway, so they make a big detour to the ship, which alien-style causes everyone to die, <laughs> essentially. Uh, they... They find this planet, and it's kind of hard to land on, so they have this minimal bit of crew go down through the clouds, this big storm, and check things out down there. 
they find the signal that they were hunting for, and it turns out to be the ship that um, Numi, I forgot her character's name again, uh, from Prometheus and David had flown away with at the end of the movie. And they find it, and that it's pretty much wrecked, and there's nothing much going on there. Um, there really are no animals on this planet. It's quite creepily only plants. Then they eventually start to come into contact with the black stuff. As we'll learn later, uh, the the black stuff aboard the, the ship that David and the female scientist from Prometheus had escaped with uh, got released onto this planet when they arrived. Uh, this was their destination as the engineer homeworld or whatever, and it killed everybody here and everything. So there is no animal life left. And there are just these weird little spore, you know, mushroom pods uh, that if you're you disturb them, then the black stuff will come out in an airborne form, go into you, and start rapidly bursting aliens out of you. Two of the crew get infected with this right off the bat, and as usual, all hell breaks loose. Their uh, way to get back up to the ship in orbit is destroyed, and they are all about to die by the aliens that burst out of these people, except that they're rescued by David, who shows up and chases everything away and takes them to his cave that or you know house in the ruins of this engineer city so they all follow him there and people continue to die and we are slowly informed that david has in fact gone quite crazy and has spent his entire time here experimenting on people and with embryos and versions of the xenomorph to create uh, some kind of more aesthetic and perfect creature which is the, really the thing that we see in the, the later movies, the, the perfect black xenomorph thing that, that everyone was so obsessed with. It really was a product of David's genetic experimentation while he was uh, marooned here. So anyway, people sort of figure out that David is bad a bit too late. Mostly everyone at this point gets killed. Uh, Walter tries to fight against David, and it's unclear whether he wins or not. Uh, some of the crew gets back finally up to their ship along with one big banana head and they have a scene like kind of old reminiscent scene of the old alien movies where it's chasing them through the ship and they're closing doors and leading it and they finally blasted out the airlock uh, at which point the remaining two people out of the entire crew are going to go into cryosleep again and they're going to go to their original destination and Walter's putting them to bed and reveals that he is actually David and he's probably going to do crazy shit while they're asleep now. And it's a sort of horrible ending for the protagonists anyway. Well, he uh, uh, he regurgitates some alien embry embryos and puts them in with the human ones. That's true. Right yeah, so he's got some, some materials to continue his experiments right. uh, on the road. So that's the summary. Um, I'm sure everyone's dying to know if you if you hated this one as much as you hated Prometheus, John. What did you think? In a word, no. I didn't hate it as much as Prometheus. Um, I good. did go in with pretty low expectations, I will say. And overall, I thought it was better. But I also felt like it didn't try to do much with what it had. The parts of it were that were good, I thought, stuck more to the kind of original alien, aliens type movie with the sci-fi, horror, 
alien species hunting people, this kind of unfolding mystery of how they're going to die because you know things aren't going to go well. So in that sense, I thought it was kind of a return to form for those movies, but that I think that's also one of its greatest weaknesses because it doesn't do anything that hasn't been done before so much. In terms of the questions in Prometheus, we get the answer, as you were just saying, that the alien xenomorph that we see in the original movies, if we connect them together, if it's not just a complete reboot, that it was designed by this AI, David, to be the perfect form for him. So that answers that question and goes back to this whole idea of creationism and, and creators that was raised in Prometheus. So you have the usual mix of people doing stupid things and getting them killed. Uh, the plot has its share of twists, but none of it's necessarily too surprising. I think it's overall pretty telegraphed and and yeah. it goes by formula. It's not not that it's so bad that you just wanted to get on with it. It does it well. It just doesn't uh, step out of that really. Overall, I would say that it was pretty enjoyable, but it doesn't make me hanker for any more aliens. It, if anything, it doesn't do anything to improve what came before. Uh, there were still some elements of faith with the captain and belief and creation, but it didn't really do too much with it. So while that didn't annoy me as much like it did in Prometheus, it also meant that it didn't try to push forward on any of those questions. But my last big, my last complaint would be the, the lack of characters again. Um, you don't really care too much about what happens to them. You do have, because they, they kill off the major character from Prometheus. Um, so you don't have as much impact there. It feels a little hollow, but it helps if you can have a little more invested in the characters. You know, there's several pairs of husband and wife on the crew that get separated yeah. and one of them gets killed, but it doesn't have any too much impact because you don't know them at all. You don't even know their names until they're just about dead. It, it's a hard thing to get right because you don't want to bog it down and, and have the pacing suffer. But yeah, overall, I'd say I, I thought it was pretty decent. It was better than Prometheus. Doesn't live up to what I would have really hoped for, but we can get into some of the details and how that fits in with what we were talking about last week. Uh, so what did you think, Brandon? Right. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's as a trend that I just am more forgiving, <laughs> but I liked it. Um, agreed, they went quite a bit back to the original formula, and much of it was, you know, you could see it coming quite a ways away. And, you know, you had even seen in other movies, especially like this, you know, airlocks guiding the thing out scene and so on. I mean, we knew it was going to happen. But it did a good job of continuing the ideas that it brought up in Prometheus. So it didn't just abandon these really, you know, crazy things like that happened with the black stuff. It, it continued explaining what it was and what it did and where it came from. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, so it did a bit of that, but I, I like that they focused so much on David. Like it really was yeah. his movie. Uh, yeah. And it became a different kind of horror movie. I mean, the, the aliens were certainly there, but the really scary thing was this crazy android he mm -hmm. was the thing in his journey you know how how he got to hate humans and get into this really weird mad scientist experimentation business and really like became the father of the the more modern aliens i thought um to connect to some of the things you were saying last week you had you know these theories on the weapon the the black yeah. ooze as a weapon and how it evolves and i thought that was mm -hmm 
a lot of it was validated by what happened in this movie in terms of the fact that you saw David coming on the ship back to the engineer planet and just unleashing the hmm. black stuff and it just killing everything as this bioweapon and then him using that to evolve the xenomorph that is an excellent killing machine. So I think that was kind of in line with what you were thinking about last week. Yeah. So David unleashed the black stuff on everybody and they were all, all the whites were sitting there waiting um, to presumably be greeted by this lost ship or something. And he just dropped it out. And I mean, this was the fastest I've ever seen the black stuff work. I mean, it makes me think that maybe it was really tailored for their species a little Mm. bit better than anything else. Cause it was like bursting out of them in seconds. I mean, it just touched them and then they already were, whatever's bursting out of their legs and sides and stuff. It was a massacre. And so this stuff apparently spread across the entire planet and killed every living thing. I think David called it all the meat, uh, everything that (laughs) was animal life. Yeah. So all that was left was plants. So this really fit actually the theory that I was having in Prometheus that this stuff just, I mean, it will, it'll attack anything and just produce a xenomorph that kills that really well until it's gone. And really, it it left nothing. Yeah, I okay. So there are a couple things I I had issues about this. So something I thought about with the black stuff like that is it working so fast. This is getting into like an energy conservation problem for me. <laughs> uh, this is the physicist coming out. Okay, so I mean, energy wise, this reminds me of this movie by with Johnny Depp called Transcendence, uh, where he's like an AI or he has his mind uploaded and becomes an AI. And near the end of the movie, he gets a bunch of nanomachines under his control, and they just they fly around with this as a cloud, and they build things, and they kill people, and they do whatever. They're, like, unstoppable. And I thought, you know, for a second, holy crap, nanomachines are really scary. And this happens in a few books, too, you know, like the, the Wool series and so on. Uh, but I just don't understand where they get their energy like, how do these things, are they all solar powered? What is driving them? Like, I mean, how can you be that much better than, say, a bacteria in the air, right? They're yeah. the same thing. They're making their own energy, but they don't fly around like a flock of birds and build stuff and lift people and do things. They like they have to have some insane power source. Yeah. Like a, there has to be a limit. I should look this up, but like, you know, for something that small to be able to do that much just seems really impossible. Uh, and so anyway, this the, the black stuff reminded me of that and how fast it was working on these engineers when it first hit them. Like, they were dead in seconds. Like, what is the cell division rate? Like, how is that? <laughs> There's probably, like, relativity being broken here somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You know, you see that the, the whole movies, the aliens have gestated inside hosts, right? And I think, in my mind, the only way that makes sense for it to be so fast is that they are taking energy from the host. Like usually when you ha- you have a baby, right? You you give it a bunch of your energy and you eat extra and whatever, but you still maintain yourself, right? You don't sacrifice anything in order to really produce this baby other than your comfort. Anyway, but an alien that doesn't care about the host can just eat what's in there or somehow like usurp the whole circulatory system and then put demands on it to the point where it kills the host and then maybe it can grow really fast. But but the rate that these do it at, I, it, it seems impossible. It seems like 
a real biologist would look at this and laugh. Yeah, because I think even like extreme flesh-eating bacteria and stuff like that, I mean, when you're talking fast, you talk like hours maybe or something, right? I mean, it's not something that happens instantaneous. Yeah, seconds, man. That's And I think also they've sped up in Prometheus and Alien Covenant, the life cycle. Alien keeps on getting shorter and shorter, which fits the pace of the movie being faster, as opposed to the first ones where there's this slow buildup. You don't know what's going to happen, and they don't understand what's wrong with this person who's feeling sick and before you get the chest burster. So that's yeah. plays into the suspense there. And of course now everyone knows, so maybe you can't do it like that, but it does. Yeah. Cause this acceleration of things makes it seem almost absurd. Yeah, sometimes it's, how it's crazy. It yeah. Like I bet we're limited, like on a molecular level, even, you know, like how fast can you cut a DNA strand or move it or, you know, do all these things that are necessary for mitosis. Yeah. It, it, it definitely got, pretty absurd how quickly things have been happening yeah in the, in although it was now. really cool to watch i mean i sure, have to say that sure. was a shocking and cool scene yeah anyway regardless of however fast it works and whether it's believable i mean it wiped out all the animal life on this planet which left us with a very interesting situation which was that it's just plants so of course, these people land on the planet with no helmets or anything. We don't even bother taking our helmets off this time. We just show up. Yeah, uh, just forget but, all sense of quarantine. Yeah. So I was thinking about this, though. Like, yeah, okay, fine. If they believe they're not going to be infected, that's fine. But you ha- what you have here is like a Petri dish of perfect nutrients and nobody using it. I mean, it's it's actually really dangerous to the colonists from their own bacteria. Like, if you if you landed on this planet and you're full of whatever, E. coli and staff and whatnot, those things are going to have a heyday. They're going to go crazy and, like, exponential growth this whole planet. There's nothing to compete with. All they have is resources. It's, like, the perfect situation for them. Uh, I think, you know, E. coli, I mean, if you just do, like, the real simple uh, exponential calculation, I mean, they split every, like, 20 minutes then they could cover a planet in, like, days. It would take them a couple days cool. at most. <laughs> Which, at this point, would probably be quite detrimental to the colonists, even. I mean, they would change the atmosphere. They would be on everything. It would be insane. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so that's, I don't know, that's, I think they pretty much wrapped up the black stuff in this one. Yeah. We saw everything that it was capable of and what it was, you know, really designed for doing what it was supposed to do. Yeah, I think it focused more on that. It kind of sidestepped or forgot about the whole issue of engineers and where they came from. Did they really create humans? What kind of role did they play? A lot of those big right. questions that were in Prometheus were just completely <laughs> ignored true. here. And no one, even addressed the, no one even addressed the fact that there were these giant people that, you know, even without them knowing the backstory to Prometheus because it was presumably a mission they have no idea about because it was, right. it was headed by Wayland, still none of them were like, oh, holy shit, this is incredible yeah so let's talk about david let's get into it yeah i think uh, i think that was that was like i said in the last time that was one of the parts i liked more about prometheus was that uh well when i saw it the second time i didn't pick it up on the first time the fact that david was really behind a lot of what went wrong that he had this agenda yeah. to oh, kill yeah. or experiment on humans and so the fact that that was what came out in alien covenant was one of the the high points for me was seeing that storyline because I right. thought that was a more interesting take on Prometheus. 
Yeah, yeah, it was great. I, I mean, he did some weird stuff in this one too. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> we we got to see a bit of his origin, which was cool. And he he asked some interesting questions then when he was talking to Wayland. Like, you know, it's kind of weird that we're doing all this to find your creators, and I'm staring at mine. <laughs> Right. It, obviously, that mission was never important to David. Like he, he didn't really care about the creators of his creator. And in fact, I think part of his motivation this whole time was a bit of jealousy of the the whites. So mm-hmm. I mean, like his father was just obsessed with finding him. That's all he really cared about. That's all everybody on this other crew cared about, and they ignored him and treated him like crap. And so it really didn't surprise me much that <laughs> that you see this scene now. He's just dumping all the black stuff on him because, you know, yep. fuck, fuck those guys. Dad always paid attention yeah. to them. Yeah. And it's true. He's, I mean, at least as amazing a discovery and invention as them finding out that they came from these other yeah. you know, alien species, the engineers, right? Like that's a monumental humanity changing accomplishment. Okay. So then, okay. So he's got some motivations, uh, family issues been mistreated etc i think we sort of understand why he was angry anyway but what was his deal with trying to create the perfect xenomorph i mean yeah that was my question too definitely definitely a big question yeah i mean obviously creation was a big part of his life and i mean all his experience was like what that's what things do Whites create humans, humans create this. What what are you going to create when you grow up? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, he was kind of just doing what I guess he expected was supposed to be done. But my real question was that, okay, I mean, I like that he's into the xenomorphs and thinks they're a cool species and whatever, but what the heck was he trying to add to them? What yeah. did he give them? I mean, they look a bit different. Aesthetically, now we get into more of the, the Geiger or whatever aliens uh, mm-hmm. And you see that they're black now, and and the face huggers have a bunch of legs instead of just being weird worms. But effectively, it didn't seem like he made them that much more deadly. Uh, it was more of a style choice, you know. Yeah, I think what, that, what, what, that might have been part for? of it. Okay, so the only concrete thing, otherwise, that I that I started to suspect was that he kind of gave them some attitude. Mm-hmm. This reminded me of so you remember in in Aliens when Ripley is fighting the queen, the mm-hmm. the alien queen, and that queen has some personality, right? Yeah. Like, you can tell. She'll, like, sneer, and she'll be, like, angry, and, like, oh, you didn't just kill my kids, or, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and you get the, this really cool mom-on-mom fight at the end mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. there's, like, really clearly some, like, mirrored emotions going on between the alien and Ripley. And anyway, it seemed that one seemed a lot more malicious. It seemed a lot more human than any of the other ones. And I felt the same way about these new ones that David was creating. You have that scene when the one got loose on their ship. Yeah, and, the one and that it was attacked those guys in the shower. I mean, that, there was this bit where, of course, it sneaks up on them, but then it like its tail comes under and like gives them a little tickle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> this thing seems like playful and crazy like it, that was not a perfect killing machine thing where it just comes in and coldly strikes everyone down it was like sadistic like it wanted to cause this woman trauma by eating the dude's head in front of her and stuff uh, so i wonder if that's what fossbender wasn't doing if he was like giving the aliens the xenomorphs some like hatred and some maliciousness 
whereas before they had just been animal killers. Yeah, I thought you were going to mention the um, the one where he has this conver- almost this conversation with. He just stands, and it's it's kind of looks like a person yeah. covered in a in like a white weird skin suit thing, and he's just staring at him, David, right. with this creature before. And he's like blowing in its mouth and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Before the other captain comes in and kills it, right? So that one was very interesting because that was definitely more humanoid, right? It stood upright. Totally. It had a normal head shape and and limbs. And so that was interesting. You saw that, but then you don't see anything more of that. He doesn't seem to have been following that line or it wasn't his main goal yeah. in what he was trying to do, this directed evolution. Yeah, and, and I mean, I feel like the, the color matters too. I mean, that one was white and they that's, really that's make a big deal that's in these true. movies about what's white and what's black. Like, mm-hmm. um, So that, that led me though to my question about David creating the xenomorphs, the aliens. Why did he go in that direction? as opposed to trying to create something like himself. Yeah, it was interesting, man. That, it made me wonder which one is actually better. Like, I mean, I always think, you know, th- I think it's natural to assume that, that an artificial life form can be better, right? Or at least that's really common in sci-fi, right? The android mm-hmm. is always, like, going to live forever. It has better memory. It has better strength. It has the ability to be repaired better. It doesn't self-destruct because it's (laughs) genetic tags ran out or whatever but this made me kind of wonder like if there's if there's one of these perfect creatures androids creating an organic life form as the perfect thing maybe organic has something you know that that can't be done with the artificial Hmm. yeah it would have been nice to see to hear from david more about what he saw like he saw these drawings and all his experiments and everything, but he didn't get any monologue from him explaining his evil plan. Yeah. Which is which is good, but yeah, it leaves us with wondering this question. Yeah. So I, w- one other thing I was reading is that apparently Ridley Scott is planning like at least two more of these. Really. That are going to link it up to the original Alien. Yeah. Uh, apparently he's going pretty strong and wants to make like, as many as people can handle of these. But what do you do next? I mean, it's kind of set up. What do you, you just have the fact that this colony ship, something goes wrong and there's the alien ends up on one of these little jettison ships or something. That's the start to alien. I right? don't see. Yeah. I don't know. There's two movies in there. Um, two. Jesus. In conclusion, the alien movies are done with. There's no reason to see or make <laughs> yeah. any more no, ever. Really? Again. I think that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thanks everyone for joining us on this episode of tangent space you can find us online at tangentspacepodcast.com you can also find our podcast on soundcloud under tangent space on stitcher and itunes so check us out online the website is tangentspacepodcast.com John, uh, I think, liked it, but he can explain more about his thoughts. Uh, No, wait, I fucked it up. I'm the one who likes it. (laughs)
Keep it. <laughs>